0: Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. What's up, Nate? Great to be here. Always a pleasure having you. And today we're going to talk about the recent Doug Bowser interview, which he conducted with Polygon.com, where he addressed a number of topics ranging from the impacts that COVID had on Nintendo in the year of 2020, all the way to the, well, games being released being removed from the eShop on March 31st of 2021. A little bit about the Switch Pro and Joy-Con Drift. And we're going to address a number of these topics with emphasis on the eShop games being removed on the 31st of next year, the Switch Pro and some new information that has come out in recent days, giving us an idea of what type of technology may be powering the device, and a little bit on the Joy-Con Drift situation. And first, when we look at this interview where he talked about COVID, there's really nothing there in his answer of any substance. It was very much, yes, COVID did introduce some struggles for us starting in you know February and March of this year, and we adjusted the best we could. He then went on to talk a little bit about the games that had released this year, how Nintendo found success with them, talked a little bit about Animal Crossing New Leaf, and did share that there will be new DLC coming in 2021 for the game, but that really isn't that big of a surprise considering the genre type of Animal Crossing New Leaf. And then he was asked about whether or not Xbox Game Pass could come to Switch, and he dodged this question with
1: (laughs) amazing skill. This is why he's the president of Nintendo of
0: America. (laughs) That is why he is the president of Nintendo of America. And he did give a great, candid answer to... One of the questions where he was asked, what is his role really as president of Nintendo of America? And he said, it's marketing and outreach. And that's something that a lot of people seem to forget is Nintendo of America doesn't really make all that many decisions when it comes to software. They're not in direct line with software development. That is at NCL in Japan. And what NOA does with the Treehouse is they localize the games. They produce the marketing materials we see in North America They do some Q&A and they do, you know, testing, especially when it comes to the localization and such. But largely when it comes to software development or major decisions for Nintendo itself, NOA has very minimal input. Same with NOE. Nintendo of Europe doesn't really make any big decision. So when you look at Nintendo Switch Online and say, why is this service so mediocre? Especially from a Western point of view, it's because NCL designed it. NCL takes some feedback from NOA and NOE, but ultimately, they are the deciders, and that's why we end up with a lot of applications on Nintendo platforms that really favor or seem to be more focused on the Japanese market than Western markets. So I did like that response, and I did go into a little bit of extra detail as to how Nintendo operates, but I like that reply because it gave people some information as to why Nintendo Seems, Out of the three, Nintendo is the one that operates the most different. Mm-hmm. Sony and Microsoft are very Western-oriented, and Nintendo is still very much a Japanese company at heart and soul. But there were the three big topics of Nintendo doing timed releases, and one of the biggest releases that has fallen victim to this is the Super Mario 3 All-Stars release that came out earlier this year, as well as Mario 35th which is on the eShop, and it's a fun little, I guess you would call it a a battle royale. Then we have Fire Emblem, the 30th anniversary, which is Fire Emblem, and it's a very long title, so we'll just call it Fire Emblem. And then Mario, or the Game & Watch Super Mario Brothers Edition. All of these are going to be pulled from digital and physical shelves on March 31st of next year. And when asked about this, Doug Bowser gave a very peculiar response. And Polygon asked him in a very direct manner, what is the logic? Why is this good for consumers to no longer have these games available after March 31st? And Doug Bowser answered with I'm gonna with a simple word, celebration. <laughs> celebration <laughs> is why. You can't buy mario three d all stars in June of next year because this year was the mario's thirty fifth anniversary, and that response makes me laugh it's not a it, it, that's not an answer
1: it's not a r it's a nothing response <laughs> right i mean it's it's just a you know like i said it's it's the president of Nintendo of America response you know, it, it's it's it must be a tough question for him to answer because even even if he does have information about it, I mean, it would be something that he couldn't mention anyway. You know what I mean? I think it's right. it, this is one of those things where I don't want to say that that um, Doug Bowser was coached or he was given a a cheat sheet of how to respond to questions, but. <laughs> This one feels almost like that is the case, you know. So I mean, this is a very, very. Uh, I mean, th- this is a very sensitive question for for a lot of people. A lot of people don't like this, right? We've covered mm-hmm. this on the on the um, on the show before. You know, we were very critical of of Super Mario Three D All Stars and the timed release around it on a previous episode, and it's. You know, anti-consumer. There's, there's all those kind of things that that we've we've mentioned before. So for him to basically dodge that question and just say, "Look, it's a celebration," so you know, we we want to make it special by celebrating. <laughs> it just doesn't really make any sense. You know, I mean, I don't really know what else to say there except he just completely dodged the question with a a nothing response to that one.
0: Yeah, and it really is a nothing response of, oh, we're celebrating Mario's 35th anniversary. That's why these products came out, and that's why we're going to, you know, no longer sell them at the end of this fiscal year, you know, the fiscal year that we're celebrating Mario's 35th anniversary. And he further added in his answer that it's not a strategy that Nintendo is going to be using widely, but it's one we thought was very unique for the actual anniversary and even that bit it's kind of all of your franchises pretty much have an anniversary year every year next year we have several anniversary years it's pokemon donkey kong metroid zelda are you going to use this type of concept again in 2021 if you decide to do a zelda release you know
1: some sort of collection i think i I think they will i mean look at Look at 3D All-Stars and how that all played out this year. You know, the the initial, you know, scramble to get a copy where things were selling out early on and then that whole FOMO thing kicked in and yes. all of a sudden you, you had, um, you know, reseller scalpers jacking up the price. But thankfully there was enough stock allocation. So... Pretty much anyone that wanted a copy has has a copy now, um, and they did the same thing with the Game and Watch. Um, to their credit, so I think I think they handled it, you know, pretty well. But the I guess the the good thing for Nintendo was that resulted in a lot of sales, you know, generating that that artificial I guess hype and and that FOMO around you know a limited edition game they're absolutely going to do this again next year with, with Zelda um, and possibly with, with others. I think Zelda is an absolute certainty to get a very similar treatment to what Mario did this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because as you mentioned, Super Mario 3D all-stars had incredible sales right out of the gate. I mean, in North America so far, it has over 2.6 million sales and, that's amazing. That doesn't even include some of the holiday sales that they're going to see for that title. And when you think about that, this is a this was a quick release. We've looked at the quality of the games and the emulator and all that. And this is a game that they sold over 5 million copies of worldwide at $60 a piece. There wasn't this enormous investment put into this project, but the return on investment is massive. So if they can do the same for Zelda next year, they're absolutely going to do it. And the one thing that I've seen people use as a defense for this is, well, we don't know what's going to happen after March 31st. And even Doug Bowser said, I can't speak to plans beyond the end of March when it comes to these type of releases. And people said, well, maybe it means Nintendo's going to release the contents of 3D All-Stars as individual game releases. And I don't believe that's going to be the case. The whole purpose of a timed release like this is fear of missing out, Hmm. and they want that initial reaction, be it digital or retail, impulse buys to say, well, this game's only available for six months. I got to buy it now because I don't want them to run out of stock, and I don't want to rush at the last minute to hopefully find one. And if you then decide to release Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy as individual eShop releases, let's say in June of next year, you immediately tell people if we have a limited availability of any game, just wait a couple of months and you're going to you're gonna be able to buy them individually. And that completely subverts the point of such a release. The only way I see these three games coming to Switch as a standalone release would have to be at least a year, maybe 18 months yeah. after March 31st. So we're talking 2022, maybe even early 2023. Then it kind of creates that doubt. But you can't do it otherwise, because if you want to do this with, with Zelda next year, you have to make sure people understand it's now or never. You have six months to buy this collection, and then you then it's gone for good. Yep. You have to do the Disney Vault thing. You can't give people the idea if you wait long enough, you're going to buy them separately. We'll be back after a quick break.
1: it doesn't quite work and you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative construction off the Uh. way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favourite podcast platforms now do you think um, Zelda and Pokemon and Metroid are going to get limited edition exclusive six month windows as well next year i can definitely see it for a zelda the other two
0: the pokemon company could have enough sway of saying we're not making anything limited yeah uh metroid nintendo really hasn't celebrated a metroid anniversary year in any meaningful way yet are we even going to get a metroid game next year nate
1: (laughs) i i suspect we'll get at least one it just it won't be metro prime 4 <laughs> <laughs> definitely not definitely not retro studios seems like they have their hands full on that game still absolutely absolutely but
0: i think there's a very good chance that the long-awaited 2d metroid does release in 2021 and let's assume that's the only one i don't think you're going to put a time limited window on such a release like if nintendo comes out next year and says breath of the wild 2 is only available for six months people are gonna say wait what that's bad business. Yeah. And I mean, by their logic, they're saying, you know, this is how we want to celebrate certain anniversaries. You could do that with Breath of the Wild too. You wouldn't. You're not going to cut sales potential of such a massive release of that caliber. But definitely for an anniversary for Zelda, I can see them doing a six month window again because they now have the data. They have the success with 3D All-Stars. They know how much they sold. They know how much money they can make. And they know the consumer base is going to buy this due to fear of missing out. So now the precedent has been set. And Nintendo consumers, were guilty of this as well. We're going to buy it. Yeah. And I mean, I know I have several friends who regret buying 3D All-Stars. Not because the collection itself is poor they played the games, realized this was a really minimal effort in terms of upgrading the games all it was was his a resolution boost and very little else and there was nothing special about the package so when he uses the term celebration I don't see where the celebration is when I play 3D All-Stars I just see a trio of games mm-hmm. there was nothing special about the box they did the pin collection that you could get from my Nintendo but It sold out almost instantly, and they never restocked it. So the only celebratory aspect of the game was a very limited pin set that the majority of buyers never even had a chance of getting. Why not include that with the package for $60? Why was there nothing in this box that felt like a celebration of the Mario franchise? And I'd say as far as the entirety of Mario's 35th anniversary, the only product that really feels like a celebration of sorts is the game and watch.
1: Yes. I Which, agree with that. Yeah, it's it, it's yeah. definitely the I guess the hot item of of everything Mario oh. anniversary related for and, you know for, for for this season. So, yeah. what about what about his comment on where he said I can't speak to plans beyond the beyond <laughs> the end of March. So, is he referring to um, what we just talked about, as far as Zelda next year, or do you think, you know, he's basically saying, well, whatever happens after March with regards to Mario thirty fifth, I can't really talk about right now. Which kind of tells me that it's probably not going to be available after March, right? Yeah, if it if it's about the Mario game specifically, then it's basically
0: him subtly implying, yeah, these games aren't coming back to the E <laughs> Yeah, right. It's- Buy them now or you're going to miss out. And that's my big problem with these limited releases. It's if they came out back in September and said 3D All-Stars is going to be available at retail stores until March 31st, 2021. I'd say, okay, I can understand that. You're making it about the 35th anniversary. If you want to pull it from the shelves after six months, fine. I have the option of buying it from the eShop still. The fact that they're pulling it from the eShop as well is what kind of pisses me off.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: There's no reason that a digital game should be delisted after six months. Give the consumer that option of still being able to buy it from the eShop even after the celebration is over. Like you missed out on the retail version. That's unfortunate, but you could still play these games on the eShop. And I think that's, That's a nice little compromise. Yeah. But once you come out and say, we're pulling this, that's pretty much it. Yeah. You had, you kind of initiated sales from some people solely because they didn't want to miss out on this release. So you can't really, you can't even walk this back and say, oh, we're going to leave it up now forever. People, some people would be pissed saying, well, the only reason I bought it is because I wanted it to be limited, which is a poor reason to buy something. Like, why don't buy it just because you think it's going to be limited. The game still managed to print over, you know, in the range of 6 million copies. So guess what? The game's not rare. Yeah. It doesn't really have anything beyond, I guess, personal sentimental collector's value. This isn't going to be a game that's going to see a vast boom in pricing down the line. Yes, you spent $60. Maybe in a couple of years you can sell it for 80 But it's not going to become some $1,000... Rare collectible anytime soon. So even the Fire Emblem game that just came out this month, it's only available to March. Mm-hmm. It's six dollars. Why? Why pull it at the end
1: of March of that, next year? Yeah, that one is that one's weird to me as well. I mean, it, and he, <laughs> that wasn't really that wasn't really talked about in in the interview, right? I mean, but it, it's kind of. Is it's a part of the whole discussion around limited releases, but yeah, that that one does makes even less sense to me because it's just a, it's almost like a throwaway eShop game that you spend six dollars on, right? And you can play whenever you want to. And there was no physical for this either, right? I mean, there's a physical release, but there's no physical cartridge of this game. Correct. It's a digital code so, and a so that, collector. That's box. even worse. I mean. That just doesn't make any sense to me. That, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't get that one. Like, obviously, there are some some smarter people at Nintendo with some good marketing data that you know we're not privy to, but mm-hmm. that one just doesn't. It just doesn't resonate with me as to why they would do that. I mean, that game should exist on the eShop until the end of the Switch's lifecycle. Quite honestly, there, there's no reason why. Yeah. They would pull it at the end of March. It just doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. And it's kind of a case of when I look at that collector's
0: box for Fire Emblem thirtieth, it comes with the NES style box and NES style cartridge, the dust sleeve. Yeah. The comes with a Nintendo Power cover. It comes with an art book. It's a cool collector's edition, but there's no game. It's amazing. It's an amazing collector's edition. That feels like a celebration of the Fire Emblem franchise. And if you want to say that's only available for three or four months, I 100% understand that. Had three all-stars come with a collection like that where it's getting an art book and there was dev diaries and all that type of stuff, I'd say six months for that type of box set, I completely understand. But give me the base version that's just the games on the eShop. Forever. Yeah. And Fire Emblem, I guess, benefits from the unique position of it's six dollars. It's not a big investment. You want it, you download it, you have it on your switch. What six bucks? It's kind of that. But it's just it's the principle of the idea that there should be no time-limited digital releases for any game. It's a nonsensical concept. And from a business standpoint, it's gonna pay off. Nintendo who knows how many copies of Fire Emblem they've sold digitally so far?
1: Yeah, I mean it would be a lot, I would think. Yeah, it's cheap, it's it's easily accessible. Mm-hmm. It's obviously been translated, localized as well. I mean it's it's a it's an easy way just to grab the game and jump in and start playing it and enjoying it. It's a, it's a good game. Yeah, and
0: I really don't want this to be widely used. I know Doug Bowser says, "Oh, we won't do it," but next year has a lot of anniversaries. And this seems to be just the beginning of it. It worked far too well for them to abandon. And if we see it with the Zelda collection or Donkey Kong release next year, unfortunately, it's going to become the
1: norm. We're going to see He's saying we're not not going to be using it (laughs) widely. (laughs) That's not the same as we're not going to be using it. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you're right. Expect expect more of this. um, Because look, as much as it, can be considered anti-consumer, it's also very successful for them. This model works, and it has worked for Nintendo for many years. And honestly, mm-hmm. I don't really see it changing for them. I, th- I think they're going to double down on it, honestly. I think they're just going to keep, keep doing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I could release a product of similar quality to 3D All-Stars for $60 and sell five, six, eight million copies before we... No longer offer it. Of course, I'm going to do it again. Yep, I'm going to do it as long as you're willing to hand me over your money as the consumer. I'm going to keep doing this for anniversary releases. And like I said, almost every year there's some sort of anniversary of a Nintendo franchise. It's just a question of whether or not Nintendo wants to celebrate it. But as we see with Fire Emblem, I can just if I can just throw a little game up on the eShop for six bucks and have it up there for a few months. You're going to give me the money. You're going to buy it. We're going to be happy because we made you fear the idea that you won't be able to get it after this month expires. So, like, it's not a business practice I support, but if I'm a businessman, I love it because I'm making a lot of money. And as a consumer, people should be a little more, I guess, not necessarily angry, but you shouldn't be so, you shouldn't be joyous about this business practice moving forward because we're going to see it again and it's going to continue for a lot of years to come
1: do you think bowser's response to this his kind of non-response was acceptable i mean there are a lot of people that are pretty annoyed about this and polygon the interview they did they kind of pressed him on this and he you know he just totally brushed it aside which you know it's his right he can respond how he wants to but do you feel like maybe he should have been a little more sensitive to this one and, and given more a more open and, and direct answer?
0: Yeah, I think he gave a, gave a more direct answer. And that's when, when he was pushed more on it, like Polygon wrote, I just don't understand the consumer side of it. For yeah. someone who buys a switch in June of next year, it's just never able to buy those games. And Bowser responded with, yeah, at this point, the decision was really made around the celebration feature and aspect. He doubled down on it's the anniversary year we're celebrating it, and it's so if I didn't celebrate it that year it was held. I just can never participate in the fun and festivities by enjoying these games and he could have just could have came out with a kind of more understanding like you know we understand this, we've been listening to some some of the feedback, but it still would have been standard p r fair mm-hmm. ultimately, he's not the decision maker here, he didn't make this policy Ncl did. He's just here to enforce it. Yeah. And it's definitely a tough position to be in. I don't envy Doug Bowser for having to answer these type
1: of questions because
0: after the recording, he could have sat there and said, I completely agree with you. I don't like this policy.
1: Yeah, I remember when the NES Classic uh, released and it sold out and then, you know, Scalpers (laughs) were selling it for three times the amount on eBay and stuff like that. I remember Reggie at the time, you know, he, he came out and said, look, we are working on on more stock allocation and that's again that's a a i guess a generalized response you know (laughs) to that but to to his credit and to be fair on nintendo they did actually get a lot more units out and, and anyone that wanted an nes classic or most people at least ended up getting one so they did good by that um but i did feel like he was being a little more open about about the responses. This one, yeah, I mean, look, what do you say to this, I guess, is is, is the tough thing. And I think Bowser was probably, like I said, he was he was coached or he was given a, a cheat sheet on how to respond to this one, because I'm sure he must have known that it was going get, to get, get asked. Yeah, he definitely answered it like a politician. <laughs> definitely. So, I'm not going to say anything
0: that can get me into trouble, so I'm just going to say... We're celebrating. Yeah, but what? (laughs) Celebrating. Right. That's that's not an answer. (laughs) It's an answer by not giving an answer in the pure sense of the word. He then was asked about the Switch Pro. This has long been rumored. It really gained a lot of traction in 2020 because at the beginning of the year, we had Bloomberg come out with their report that a Switch Pro will be entering production in the early portion of 2021 and Nintendo has remained as they always are with rumors silent on the matter. And in recent weeks, we really haven't gained that much new information or even had any meaningful rumors sprout up about the Switch Pro, but this is a topic I want to address because his response was curious and there has been a few rumors come out in the last few days giving an idea to what we potentially could see from a technological standpoint in a switch pro. And it's something we have discussed several times now, but first we'll start with Doug Bowser. He was asked about the switch pro and if Nintendo was holding back any software for this type of device. And his answer basically summarized is we released a lot of games in 2020. We had animal crossing clubhouse games, super paper or paper Mario origami King. And we've had enormous momentum this year. Our, Evergreen library of software continues to sell well. So when we look at the sales in 2020, we don't, we're not all that concerned about needing a revision or new hardware right now. He was further pressed on it of, could you guys get a better screen? What are, you, what are we really looking at for a long-term strategy? And he gave the very typical Nintendo answer. We're always looking at technology. And it's true. Every console manufacturer, the second they ship their new hardware, they're looking at technology for the inevitable revision, mid-gen refresh, and successor. And Nintendo is no different. We've seen them do this with their handheld line now, what, two or three times? We had the Game Boy Advance came out, and within, I believe it was less than two years, we had the Game Boy SP.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. Then we had the DS, and right around two years... We had the DS Lite, then we had the 3DS, and we got the new 3DS. So the Switch, due to its hybrid nature, it's led to a lot of people saying, well, Nintendo's always done this with their handheld lines. They've never done it with their home console line. But yes, Nintendo is going to have a a revision of some sort in 2021. And Doug Bowser, he dodged this question again and basically just said, you know, how can... How can a new piece of hardware enhance or improve the gameplay experience? That's what we're always looking at, whether it's done on a current platform or something in the future. We're always looking at a, you know, the variety of options that technology can bring us. But he kept pivoting back to, we've had great momentum. Our focus going into 2021 is still going to be deliver quality software. Look at our library of strong AAA games. So he really didn't want to commit to the idea that maybe Nintendo does have something next year that we will have in turn, you know, new hardware. It's just, we're going to continue to build and deliver a platform that gives the games the best way to experience them. So he dodges it. Yeah. And when you look at the success of the Switch and the Switch Lite, Nintendo really isn't in a position where they need to rush anything. The PS5 and the Xbox Series X are still limited by supply. There are some production yield problems, especially for the PlayStation 5, according to Bloomberg. So Nintendo is kind of in a... They're in the driver's seat. And a revision in 2021 could help them further, I guess, put a stronghold on the current market, because they're really not facing that much outside competition. And this brings me to the point of what the new information that came out this week potentially suggests about a power range for the Switch revision coming in 2021. Now, this information I have not been able to verify independently, nor have I been able to vet. So this is literally rumor, and that's how people should treat it. Don't look into it as anything beyond rumor at this point, but new information suggests that the switch successor is going to have an arm a 78 SOC, and it's going to be produced by Samsung at eight nanometers. Now I understand that's a lot of technical mumbo jumbo that the majority of people say, what does any of that mean? (laughs) 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 Well, you should fill them in on what that means. Yes, I should. (laughs) Essentially, it's a smaller node, which means it will be more energy efficient. And by having greater energy efficiency, you can get better production, better battery life, better performance overall. By going to Samsung, Samsung has now shifted into the 8 nanometer, and they are fabricating NVIDIA's Ampere Mm -hmm. product line. That would suggest that potentially a switch revision could have ampere-type features. That would include ray tracing and DLSS. This is not saying that this will be the case, just that this does open up the possibility. Now, another possibility is that Samsung is Samsung will simply be fabricating an 8-nanometer Mariko. Mm-hmm. A chip, or, basically. Yeah. yeah or right. a TX1 with a plus. Yeah. These are the variables that aren't known right now. Some information suggests it will be Ampere, but you can't discount the idea of maybe Mariko is just going to be handled by Samsung now at a smaller process. It's interesting because if the information is accurate, what we are looking at for a Switch Pro in 2021 could potentially be a piece of hardware that has raw performance in the range of an Xbox Series X. An Xbox One Series S, or
1: Xbox One S. I was going to say, if it's a Series (laughs) S, then... No, that's too powerful. (laughs) Yeah, we need to go... You need to talk to your source there.
0: (laughs) Xbox One S. So we're talking, you know, in the range of about 1.2 teraflops, but we can't use that comparison directly because these are different architectures, which means teraflop numbers will differ. But it would be enough to get the Switch successor or... Not successor, revision, to basically handle DLSS at a quality range and it would support the idea of a 4K image. Now that doesn't mean native 4K. It means that the switch revision would be a 1080p native image mm-hmm. that would then be upscaled via DLSS to 4K. And to the naked eye on a 4K monitor or TV you wouldn't know the difference between native 4K and a DLSS 4K.
1: Yeah. There's definitely... It's a lot uh, to take. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely some things to, to unpack there. Um, I mean, none of it is... None of it is kind of outside of the realms of possibility, you know? Um, yep. And I think that's where things get interesting. I think just to go back to Bowser's, Doug Bowser's um, response to this question, he basically said the same thing as what Furukara said at the uh, the corporate management briefing recently. He said, we're always looking at technology. Technology is constantly evolving and changing. Uh, we don't really have anything to report right now, um, but, you know, we are always looking into the future. I think this is just, I mean, this is, the way that I read this is that there's definitely something coming next year, you know, there, there 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 will be a revision of the hardware next year i think it is time that we do get an update of the switch but he's also basically telling us that whatever this is it's still going to be compatible everything's everything that's currently available on the switch will be available and compatible until the end of the generation um that's yes that's where they're making all their money right now. So anything that is is new that is added to the Switch line isn't going to be a drastic change from what we currently, you know, have. So that concept of a, um, you know, just a wildly beefed up Switch Pro, I just don't think that's, that's, you know, a thing that we should expect. I did make a video on this recently about... Um, what I think the switch pro will be with some overclocking tests on a current switch. And really at the end of the day, it's, it's this kind of, you take the low hanging fruit of the issues. I don't want to say issues, but all the, the, the parts of the current hardware that can be improved with really not adding too much cost to the manufacturing or the bill of materials. And essentially what you're doing is you're, like you said, Nate, if you've got a new Tegra chip um, that has a smaller die that has even less um, power draw than the current Switch uh, Mariko chip, that is something. There's obviously increasing the memory bandwidth is is a big one, um, and and maybe adding additional RAM as well to so boosting it up to eight gigabytes. Right there, I mean that's that's enough to to get. Um, developers happy about, you know, um, some increases in performance. But then there's also that problem, like you said, about, you know, screen resolution on a big TV. These days, everyone has, not everyone, but lots of people use a 4K display in their living room. And to be completely frank with you, when you dock a Switch, some of these games don't look particularly great anymore. They they look just a little blurry or they they, they look a little grainy depending on the game that you're playing some of them look amazing and that's all due to post-processing effects and the graphical style but a lot of them don't upscale very well you know with just the the uh the upscaling of, of the switch and and whatever your TV's doing as well so having some type of ai enhanced upscaling like you mentioned dlss or something like that um i think is is probably something they're thinking about doing so yeah, I mean everything that you've said doesn't doesn't sound unreasonable to me. I think I think you know, if I was to predict and I have predicted, I would say that's what we're looking at.
0: Yeah, cuz as Bowser put it towards the end of the Switch Pro, I guess is one of his answers. He said we believe we're just at the midpoint of this life cycle on this platform. And including something like DLSS would kind of help buy them some time for another three or four years until a true successor is prepped. Because by having that AI upscaling feature, you can still render those games at 720p or 1080p, Mm -hmm. but they're going to look really good on a 4K TV. And if it's enough to trick people into thinking you're getting essentially a next-gen type experience on radically underpowered hardware in comparison to like a PS5 or an Xbox Series X, it allows them to basically, yeah, it buys them another couple of years when, when they do come out with a successor and this type of technology has matured, you're potentially looking at a
1: Switch 2 that can deliver an amazing gaming experience. Do you think if they release, a Switch Revision next year, Nate, that, and it doesn't have 4K upscaling, do you think that's mm-hmm. a disappointment? Yes. I think so, too, because, I mean, we are well and truly in the 4K era right now. You know, when, when mm-hmm. the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X came out, those kind of mid-revision refreshes of the Xbox and PlayStation hardware... It was there really just to bridge that gap, you know, because four K televisions were were very very common at that point, and they needed to come up with something that that would you know address that. And I think I think this is Nintendo's kind of response to that. I think I think if they do release something next year, and assuming it is a dockable Switch that that you can you know connect to a, a, a flat screen television, then uh-huh. it, it has to have some some really good upscaling technique to, to to make it look good on a 4K device. Yes, and I mean, I'll go one step further. If the Revision or the Pro for next year
0: is a hybrid, and as we've discussed in the past, they have another SKU come to market that is a dockable only switch. So we're talking a home console switch. You would need that unit have some sort of 4k upscaling yeah because as you mentioned there's a lot more 4k tvs out there today than there were back in 2017 and they're still not the most popular tv model in the market especially not in japan right so it fits nintendo to say we got to get some sort of 4k functionality and from what i've heard this is information i have vetted on my own the switch revision is going to have some sort of 4K functionality, I simply don't know to what extent. Whether that means native 4K, DLSS, or just upscaling, I don't know which one of the three DLSS makes the most sense. And if I'm Nintendo and I have partnered with NVIDIA and I see the technology that they have, especially in their recent chips, and I say, can we get that into a switch form factor? And NVIDIA says, yes. It may not be exactly what we're seeing in high-end PC graphics cards from NVIDIA. Even if it is a little different in some way, it's enough. It's let's get in on the ground floor of this you know, exciting new technology and let us use it. And then when it comes time for that successor, we'll have it full-blown.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the thing with DLSS is it's still software dependent. It's not universal. Can be, but we're still, I think we're still at less than a dozen games that have utilized it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So I guess my question to you would be if Nintendo does implement DLSS, how simple would it be for a developer to just implement this feature? If Nintendo wanted to use this for every re- release coming to the platform, how simple would it be for developers to add it?
1: Uh, I don't think it would be too complicated. I mean, I don't know this if this will also be a I'll say a full blown DLSS implementation. Mm-hmm. It could be I'll call it a DLSS light implementation where it's, you know, there is there are certain things that are, are not available or it's just a cut down version really for that's been tailored for the switch itself. But I think adding DLSS wouldn't be too complicated to do. Um, you know, I would I would see it like you know adding. PS4 Pro patches to a PS4 game or um, Series okay. X patches to a, a an old older, you know one one X game. It's it's that type of approach. It really depends on whether they they want to do that um, or not. Okay. I guess is there a way that they could re- retroactively patch it? You know, when older games get loaded to take advantage of it, that's a possibility. I don't know how that would work. Um, but the other thing we need to consider is. Maybe it's not DLSS. Maybe it's it's something else. I do know on the Nvidia Shield TV, they do have some type of um, uh, upscaling algorithm, AI upscaling techniques mm-hmm. in there, which is not DLSS. So potentially, what they could do is um, enable that in in this revision. So you know, it, it may not be DLSS. It, it could be it could be some some other thing that they do. But um, I would. I would definitely think either way, it wouldn't be difficult to incorporate. Yeah, it's Nintendo definitely has a few pathways
0: ahead of them for the revision. Yeah. And the thing with Nintendo and hardware is just because us as a consumer or I'll say an enthusiast, we can look at the technology out there and say, this makes a lot of sense. It may not always make sense to Nintendo, whether due to cost or just implementation. So... It's kinda of one of those cases where if it sounds too good to be true, especially when it's Nintendo, it's probably not gonna happen
1: when <laughs> we anticipate it. But this doesn't sound but- too good to be true. This sounds like a feature that they <laughs> they probably have to add. Because if they're releasing you hardware and and you dock it in your T V, you dock it in in your in your dock and and, and you bring it up on your T V and it still has the same resolution and the same look as the current Switch, I don't think like you said, I don't think people are gonna be too 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 happy about that, you know? Right. And I'd say, maybe this is hyperbole,
0: but I would say DLSS for a Nintendo platform that retains hybrid form factor is as big a technological jump as the PS5 and Xbox Series X having an SSD. Yeah. Because they're both game changers in their own way. We're talking, I mean, DLSS is literally a case of we're rendering a game and I'll use, let's, what's a high demanding? We'll use Cyberpunk Yep. just because it's the most recent high demanding game. If they could get Cyberpunk to run on a Switch successor at 720p, DLSS can clean that image up mm-hmm. very nicely. And all of a sudden, Nintendo is sitting there saying, we got a pretty good version of this game. Yeah. Whoa, wait a minute. You actually have you have a system batting way beyond its skill set. Like you have a home run hitter, from, what was Captain America's name before it became jacked? Oh, what's Captain America's name? Steve. Is it Steve Rogers? Steve Rogers. Yeah. DLSS <laughs> is essentially <laughs> taking Steve Rogers before he gets the serum and then turning him into <laughs> Captain America. That's what it would take. The switch, scrawny Steve Rogers,
1: and DLSS him, and he comes out Captain America.
0: <laughs> that's that's what it, that's what
1: it is. Yeah, I, I mean. The, the the cyberpunk example is interesting but i mean even for just stuff like you know doom eternal and and yeah existing existing games that that mm-hmm. play great on the switch but could utilize a resolution boost or you know just just a cleanup of the visuals because i mean let's be honest doom eternal and doom 2016 wolfenstein 2 they run really well on the switch hardware but when you dock them and look, the, look at them on a big TV, they don't look very good, you know, and that's, that's no fault of the developer. They've done an outstanding job. It's just, it's just the nature of, of the hardware and, and the limitations. So having the ability to clean up that image, I think, yeah, I think that that's a feature in a revision that I think would be quite compelling to, to many people. Yeah, it definitely seems
0: a direction Nintendo has to go in because it's it's definitely a selling feature. It gives people with a 4K reason to upgrade the Switch because you're going to get that nice visual clarity. And you they need to do it. You can't release another 1080p maximum resolution Switch in a revision in 2021 and expect people to flock to it. You have to give something new and exciting, and DLSS is likely exactly that feature. That will sell this to a lot of people. I could see a lot of double dippers buy into it because you, you want that visual clarity. You want it you want all that. It's not necessarily going to be hardware that's going to bring about a game like Cyberpunk 2077 though. Yeah. Like that's just use that as an example in this case. If the game can't run on the current Switch, I don't see very many exclusives, if any exclusives coming to the Switch provision. Could be a you know, a couple of handfuls here and there, but I don't expect it to be the norm. This isn't replacing the current Switch. This is complementing it. Yeah, this has to. to. a new 3DS. Yep. So I think that's something people have to keep in mind. That don't expect a huge, huge visual leap from raw hardware standpoint that doesn't include DLS type feature. The games that the Switch gets is still going to be same situation certain third-party developers are just never going to support this platform and it has nothing to do with power and that's going to remain reality we'll probably still see cloud versions of games that's just the reality of the situation so you still have to go into a switch pro with some realistic ideas grounded expectation but be excited about the prospects of dlss coming in and making it a nice clear image and be excited about what this means for the future of nintendo hardware
1: yeah yeah i i i'm with you on that i i think i think that would be something that i i i would almost you know put money on that they're, they're going to do it's um they have to do it you know it it just doesn't make sense if they don't i mean i guess the other thing that we haven't really considered is you know how many people use their switch in handheld mode versus in dock mode, right? But even then, um, you know, will there be a better screen? Uh will it still be the same, you know, 720p screen? Do you think they they right. might um offer something a little bigger, maybe boost it to ten eighty or maybe just offer um, you know, a, a nicer looking display? Not not that there's anything wrong with the current one, but do you think maybe they'll enhance the uh the display?
0: Yeah, I could see them enhance the display, probably a new screen type, even if it's just, you know, maybe a transition. Cool, we have the mini LED
1: out there, so it could be something like that. and They could also add HDR as well. I mean, that's a possibility to, you know, to this.
0: I could see them add HDR. I guess my only wonder would be we still have the switch light. And if you're going to use the same internals in that...
1: I really need DLSS and a handheld. Well, that, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, the feature would be <laughs> it, it wouldn't be something that would be just in the handheld, right? I mean, maybe maybe it's a part of the dock or something, you know what I mean? Maybe there's maybe right. the new dock will will offer that, um, some additional hardware than just the, the one that currently has, which basically does nothing. So it's possible that that's the way they'll, they'll approach it. Yeah, I'm just curious as to how the
0: revision would really run in a handheld mode. Like, it could be similar to what you've seen when you overclock your Switch yeah. and play it in handheld. You get a more steady frame rate. 720p is achieved more frequently. Yeah. And I guess DLSS could be used in that case. If a game is 540p, it could go up to 720p in handheld mode.
1: I don't know if they will, though. Like, you know, I think what they'll probably do, like you said, they they, they may just, you know, if there is a boost in clocks and memory clocks and, and, and a slight cpu and gpu performance boost then i think they're just going to bank on the fact that the dynamic res isn't going to drop to like 360p or 240p on some games (laughs) it's going to smoothen out maybe bottom end at like 540p and try to hit 720p so i think overall the the clarity you're going to get is it's not really going to warrant you know the need for dlss at that point
0: That's true. That's a good point. It's definitely an interesting roadmap ahead that Nintendo has to plot a course on. But it's exciting. Yep. You like when hardware comes out because of all these possibilities that could be introduced. And Nintendo of the three is the most difficult to predict of what they're going to do. Like we've laid out a very realistic roadmap here. And Nintendo could go off road
1: and say, Nope. Yeah. I mean you're right. I mean, we, we, we think, you know, we have pretty good feelings that there is new hardware coming next year. There is, you know, we're starting to see games, especially towards the end of this year, start to struggle on the current Switch hardware. Age of Calamity is one that comes to mind as, yes. you know, it, it, it has its issues, right? Um, and there have been other some other games that have come out that haven't performed very well. And it, you just feel like now is the time where we're almost we're almost hitting that, that limit. But I guess that's one way to look at it. But another way to look at it is, well, if you offer new hardware, that will alleviate those concerns. However, they just told us that they're going to... They're halfway through this, this generation, right? So yes. what, what we're hearing is there's four more years of the current switch, which means that yep. no matter what happens games still have to run on current Switch or base Switch hardware. So, you know, Correct. The, it, it, they could easily come around next year and, and not do anything. You know, ne- next year could just be full of games, which, you know. Every, it will be. We'll have a lot of games. Yeah, every time we try to predict Nintendo, you know, they, they don't always give us what we want. <laughs> but I do feel like there is, is Switch revision. I think the smart money is is on, you yeah. know, a new Switch next year. Yeah, I think they're
0: kind of in a position where they it's not that they need it, but it would be a smart move. Yeah. That you have this new technology available from Nvidia and if you can implement it into some new hardware that you can capitalize on, get it out there and kind of give us a hint of where your next platform could be moving in. And you know, I think we've learned to predict Nintendo a little better. We came with our the game awards predictions. We said Smash Brothers, no Zelda, mm-hmm. no Metroid. And ultimately approved us,
1: right? Yep. We tempered our expectations, and we're on to you now. Yeah, and I think you know they're also having active discussions with developers right now about yeah what what they want to see, you know, um, what they're looking for, and, and all that stuff. I mean, there is always ongoing discussions with development studios, both first and, and third party, on mm-hmm. you know on, on stuff like this. So. I think I think many studios now have already let them know what they're looking for and what, with what's next now. It's up to them to decide whether we actually get some hardware. But like I said, I think we will.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely anticipating new hardware from Nintendo in 2021. And it's just a question of when do we first hear about it? It won't be before this fiscal year ends. So you can mark your calendars to the earliest date possible of April 1st. And that was just a bad day to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's a great great move for them to do that. but Maybe we'll they will. That would be actually hilarious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, the last topic from the Doug Bowser interview that I want to touch on is Joy-Con Drift. Oh, boy. The ongoing plague. Well, Polygon basically asked him flat out, what are you guys going to do about Joy-Con Drift? And Doug Bowser came in with not the greatest response I've ever seen. He said, we want every consumer to have a great experience with the Nintendo Switch and with the games they play on their Switch. That is of utmost importance to us. He continued, we have been working very closely with consumers, and if they might have issues, whether it's a replacement or repair. And then I say, I will look at our repair cycles, and we're always looking at what is being sent and for what reasons and understanding that better basically sorry your joy-con doesn't work but <laughs> you can get it repaired and we're observing what's the problem and you know we'll make a decision eventually someday maybe it again, wasn't a great response
1: yeah again again it's just a nothing response <laughs> it, it there's, there's no answer here you know um i will say that maybe this one he he couldn't have gotten into this um there is ongoing litigation with with the joy con stuff right now happening in the united states um so maybe you know he he was a little more careful about his response but this was again just another doug bowser response in that (laughs) we're looking at it but you know, we, uh, we're, and we're going to make yeah. things better, but he doesn't really say anything else. Meanwhile, yeah, I Joy-Con Drift <laughs> is, is I don't know. Have you ever, do you have Joy-Con Drift on your, so I have two Switches and a Switch Lite. I have Joy-Con Drift on my original Switch, which is the one that I bought on launch day. And my Switch Lite is now starting to, you know, inhibit some Joy-Con Drift. So I, I've got it on both. I have it on my launch switch on the left Joy-Con,
0: but I got the electrical cleanser. Yep. Sprayed some of that in there, and it's been good ever since. Now it could just be luck. Mm-hmm. But so far I don't have any other Joy-Con drift. I also have so I have two sets of Joy-Cons and it's just on that one left stick. So I guess I've been lucky and yeah, I think Doug Bowser's response is definitely due to the litigation. He can't say any more than what he did due to the yeah. ongoing suit. And I mean, it's it's definitely a case Nintendo has absolutely no proactive stance on. It's just, oh, it doesn't work, right? Like, too bad. We're not really in. We're not in that much of a rush, and I get it as a company. This is what they all do. You have to hit a certain threshold, a certain percentage of problem before you actually address it. And they're either below that threshold or they're at it, and they simply aren't in any interest or care to rectify the engineering problem of right. the Joy-Con itself. And right, maybe there's a lot of potential problems. Maybe it's the material you used. Yeah, and a lot of people say, "Oh, hopefully the Switch Pro or the revision next year will fix this." They could switch. They could fix it now. Right you don't, we don't need new hardware to fix the joy-con problem something nintendo could address this here and now it's just they're not looking at it as a priority and if i'm them i'm on the i have the possibility of selling 30 million switches this year mm-hmm. you can talk about drift all you want it's not affecting our bottom line people are buying our hardware they're buying our software they're buying the accessories yeah if it was that big of a problem we might see some sort of Downscale in terms of accessory purchases, but we're not. So that doesn't motivate them to say we have to address this immediately. It's well, if it's broken, you can send it in. We'll fix it. That's our offer to you. And I guess it's better than nothing. It's still not enough. Yeah. And yeah, it's probably the best answer he could give with litigation ongoing. He does kind. He was asked about Breath of the Wild. 2 bayonetta 3 and metroid prime 4 but like we said earlier this is noa unless they're localizing the game already they're really not that knee deep in development of the titles themselves so he gave the best answer he could here too i have nothing more that i can share on those titles
1: (laughs) i do like his response where he said you know i don't want to speak for developers Uh, i think that's that's actually a good response you know because you're right i mean he 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 doesn't want to say something that that contradicts or maybe goes against you know what what's actually going on, which is which is the right thing. But yeah, I also he think, doesn't want to, call yeah. But him I, him. I also All think he doesn't really know either. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah he he knows what he's told.
0: Yeah. He doesn't know the state of Bayonetta three any better than us right. right. Now unless it's already on their scheduling roadmap where he's penciling in ideas of when they have to begin marketing blitzes, Mm -hmm. he doesn't know any more than anyone else. He's waiting for an update from NCL and, and they begin their marketing blitz and planning. But beyond that, like, yeah, he can't come out and say, Oh, I checked in on Metro prime four recently or Bayonetta three recently. And it looks great. He can't say that. Yeah. It's a, terrible decision especially from a company executive
1: but phil spencer does but phil does i mean phil spencer will say hey i i went to the initiative and um they showed me what they were working on with with the new uh perfect dark game or he'll say hey i just checked out the the new uh stuff from the coalition you know that's phil Phil gives us a little more of a a taste of of what's going on yeah
0: phil See, the thing with Phil, I guess, is the key difference is that he is, he's the head of the Xbox division. He's not the head of Microsoft. Right. So, and we know Phil is, as much as people may doubt it, Phil is a gamer. Yes. Phil is a gamer. I don't know if Doug Bowser plays video games. I know people like to, I know people worship Reggie. Mm Mm-hmm has that persona. He has that character that Nintendo fans love. Reggie wasn't a gamer. Reggie didn't play these games. I don't think Doug Bowser does. At the end of the day, they're businessmen, and they are masters of marketing. Phil Spencer plays these games, and he goes to these studios himself to get updates. Mm-hmm. I don't think Doug Bowser is flying to Platinum <laughs> and saying, how's of 3? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> So, like, he's definitely... I would compare Doug Bowser to Bobby Kotick. Yep. Bobby Kotick doesn't know the state of Call of Duty, Crash Bandicoot, or anything under his brand label, except for they make money.
1: It does pose the question, though. You know, obviously, this interview was... I guess Polygon probably walked away from it feeling like, man, we got nothing out of him, you know? (laughs) So... Do you think that maybe they should look at someone else to talk to, you know, if they could possibly get some more info? But, I mean, let's say they got Furukawa. um, They interviewed Furukawa, which I don't think that would happen, but let's assume that they did. Do you think the answers Mm -hmm. would be any different, though? Because I don't think they would be. I
0: don't think the answers would be any different. Nintendo is a very difficult company to do true journalistic interviews with. Like, this interview in and of itself is is fine. We're talking about it. But when you're trying to really get answers of development, Joy-Con drift, Switch Pro, um, you know, Game Pass, we're talking to the middleman. Yeah. And we're not going to that, we're not going to the person who makes the decisions. And Furukawa still would sit there and say, we're always looking into our different avenues of partnerships. It's always going to be that stump speech. Mm-hmm. you never going to get that real, genuine, candid answer and part of it is it's the industry that we're in it's a secretive industry this isn't like conducting an interview with a movie director or a movie producer and trying to find out behind the scenes or the direction that they're trying to go in a game company is never going to give up their secrets yeah and it's a shame because there is valuable information that comes from interviews but this industry is still so hesitant of becoming transparent that Interviews like this with Bowser, and this isn't any disrespect to Doug Bowser, he's doing his job and he's doing it well, is that the interviews are always fluff. Yeah. We don't get substance in here in any meaningful way beyond just PR speak. And it is a shame. And I wish we could get to that point of this industry where we could sit down with a Furukawa Mm -hmm. and say, what is going on with Joy-Con Drift? And he could say candidly, We've looked at the engineering of it. We've looked at the flaws. We are making progress and trying to address this issue and say, awesome. That's what we want to hear. That's what we want to learn. Or how did this impact development and give us that honest answer? And we're just not there in this industry yet. And I don't know if we'll ever truly get there. I will give Sony and Microsoft credit here.
1: Phil Spencer, Will give an honest response. Yeah, and it's still PR speech. Yeah, but that, that's that's the thing. So even Jim Ryan will will say something, even though he may say something that's completely absurd that that gets <laughs> clipped everywhere. But <laughs> Phil Spencer and, and Jim Ryan will will say some stuff, and and usually there'll be an article that that talks about some of the important things that they said. You know, so let's say uh-huh. Phil says something about Game Pass, right? So the media publications will say Phil Spencer talks about Game Pass and maybe bringing on more games next year, something like that, right? With this, like, Bowser gave absolutely nothing. So no one, no one's really, like, you know, taken this interview as, as anything other than he gave nothing. <laughs> right. So there's not really right. much yeah. here, you know.
0: He gives no inclination to any any direction that they're going to move in on any of these topics that were discussed. Whereas, as you mentioned, like Phil Spencer, when he's asked about game pass, he says, we're always looking and we always want to bring it to more platforms. We look at the TVs, we look at Nintendo, we look at Sony, we want game pass on every device, phones. And it's sitting there saying, okay, he's giving us an idea of their ambition. And Jim Ryan, you can ask him, what do you think of backwards compatibility? And he'll say, I think it's horrible. Like, okay, cool. You hate PlayStation one. And we get that from him. If you were to ask Doug Bowser, what do you think about having N sixty four games on Nintendo Switch Online? It would be we're always looking into bringing other platforms to Nintendo (laughs) Switch Online.
1: It's it's yeah we know you we know that it's that prepared statement, man. Like I told you, he's got (laughs) he's got a cheat sheet. And it's
0: like, but is this something you guys are actively looking into? We're always looking into new
1: avenues <laughs> to bring love, software to the consumer. We love celebrating yeah. our past history and our successes <laughs> in our older platforms. And, I mean, and that's why he, he's great at his job. Yeah, absolutely. He, I mean, you can't fault him for yeah. that at all. It's, that's the reason why, like I said, that's the reason why he's the president of Nintendo of America, for that reason. Yeah, he's, he's doing exactly what NCL wants him to do, and he's doing it
0: Perfectly. And it's it's a shame for us in the industry be it fans reporters that we see these type of interviews and just say you asked terrific questions you just got the political stump speech mm-hmm. where it was regurgitating the same point over and over and you made no progress and actually getting an answer to the question and my hope is one day the industry will become more candid and transparent and will have an honest discussion with some of these people where they can talk and it can it can simply be cultural. Phil Spencer and Jim Ryan, they represent companies who are primarily more Western-oriented. Yes. So they're going to have that discussion in a different way than a Nintendo of America employee representing a Japanese company can because, as we said, Bowser has no say. He doesn't create the policy. He can only enforce it whereas Phil Spencer and Jim Ryan
1: are creating the policy. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they they, know what they can say and what they can't. Yeah. You, you, you can't rule that out, especially like you said from, from NCL, that's Mm -hmm. really calling the shots. You know, he's just, he has to enforce it. And, and that's really about it. I mean, he can't, unfortunately for him, he can't go off script, you know, and that's, that's the, I guess that's the reason why we get these interviews and, Someone like Jim Ryan or Phil, you know, they'll sometimes throw you a tidbit of of new information that that may be, you know, interesting to to the public. Yeah, they can go off script because all that can happen to
0: them is the PR can come back and say, Oh, they said a little too much there. Yep. Doug Bowser, PR can come out and say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now we can go to a Streamlab question. We had one for the week, and it's from Liam Werner, who donated a dollar, who writes, a lot of people are usually joking when they ask or talk about this, but I am genuinely asking, do you guys think that we will someday actually get a Half-Life 3? Not a spin off like Alex, although even though I was surprised about, but a full-blown third game. I don't think we'll get a Half-Life 3. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. I don't think Valve has the drive to make a Half-Life Three. I hope. I hope we're wrong, and I hope Half-Life Alex was them kind of dipping their t- toe back in the Half-Life pool. But I think a true Half-Life Three. I think those days are behind us.
1: Yeah, and I mean. A lot of the people that were involved in you know Half Life and Half Life Two are no longer with the company. You know Mark Laidlaw. I mean, I don't think he's around anymore. Obviously Gabe. I mean, he's living in New Zealand these days. You know, counting his money. So I don't necessarily <laughs> think that he's that that on board with with uh, a, a new Half Life. I would love to seeing a Half Life game because I think that. Both one and two are incredible games, but it just—it just feels like so much time has passed. I mean, so much time has passed now, where it's like, you know, there's it just doesn't doesn't feel right anymore, and it hasn't for a long time. I mean, the game came out in two thousand and four, I think. I mean, we're talking yeah, we're talking sixteen years. I mean, that's that's no joke, man. Like. Even even some of the oldest franchises have been brought back, you know, that we never expected. Even Skate Four's coming out, you know, and we're seeing we're seeing Sony start to to remake older games as well. And I just can't see a new Half Life game. Half Life Alex, from what I've heard, was was pretty good. I haven't played it yet. I I I would like to play it sometime. I just can't see Half Life Three coming out. I hope, but man, I hope I'm wrong on this one. But I just. It, yeah. I just can't see this happening. I think we could see
0: a reboot of the Half Life franchise happen before we see a true Half Life 3.
1: But if they did that, people would be like, well, that's cool. We love this, but where's Half Life 3? I mean, I think it's Half Life 3 or nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's that time
0: frame that yeah. works against the. Like, as you said, it's been potentially 16 years. And as people said, Oh, Perfect Dark, it's been 15 years. Do people care about Perfect Dark? And we have Perfect Dark coming to Series X, probably 2022, maybe 2023. Right. And it's a reboot of the first game. There is, you know, it's not a sequel. And that's where if you were to reboot Half Life and say, we're making a trilogy, here's the first game, modern, we've changed a few things here and there. And our plan is the entries come out every three years or something. Then maybe, but jumping right into a Half Life 3 after a decade and a half. Yeah. Whew, that would I be just, tough. I, yeah, I don't see that one happening. And Valve, they really don't seem all that interested in releasing games anymore. Like, yeah, we had Half Life Alex. What was their last release before
1: that? Well, I mean, some <laughs> card game or something. I mean, yeah. Uh, it, you know, something related to uh, League of Legends, or so, I, I don't know, not League of Legends, but um, yeah, so it was some card oh, yeah, game yeah. they released. Yeah,
0: yeah, they have that. They have their own thing, and then like they had great success with Left or Dead. Yes, and then that was they stopped doing that. They had great success with the Portal franchise, right? And he stopped. Like they are afraid to go to three. Yeah. So, I'd that- love to see it happen. I just don't see it happening.
1: Oh, anytime soon? No, I was thinking of Artifact, which is that card game based on um, on Dota, not not League of Legends. I, I knew it was based on a um, a MOBA, so that was the last yeah. thing they did. Then Half Life Alex came out, but you know, even Half Life Alex yeah. is utilizing the Source Two engine, which I mean, it's still a great engine, but it it also needs you know, if they're going to do Half Life Three, they need to make it you know above and beyond. Um, the Source 2 engine I think.
0: I'm actually surprised we haven't seen Valve try to bring the orange
1: box to the Switch. That's a really good one too, yeah. That that would be great. That would be a or really good pickup. Any up.
0: platform since the three sixty.
1: Yeah, and the the uh, orange box would be really well suited for the Switch. It could it could run it no Jeez. no problem. And I think it would it, it would it'd be great to see that running on the switch actually. Yeah. That'd be a really good release and it would sell well. I know we're fanboying a little bit, but no, I don't, (laughs) I don't see half life three coming out, unfortunately, but yeah, Valve, please prove me wrong on this one. Yeah, definitely. This is definitely a
0: case. I want to be made a liar. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And that will do it for today's episode of Nate the hate. I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Thanks for having me on Nate. And if you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. You can make a donation of any amount, ask a question, we'll answer at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more and we will dedicate the episode to you. You can find a link to MVG's channel in the description below as well. If you liked the video, be sure to give it a like. If you didn't, give it a dislike. Let us know your thoughts on the Nintendo interview and the potential DLSS future for the Switch revision in 2021 in the comment section below. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.